clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Hello and Merry Otsmas, everybody. I am your co-host of Otsterion, Sam Weinman, joined by... It is me, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. Happy Otsmas, everybody. And we are here to talk about a movie that is happening right now. It's a reason for the season. It's a real reason for the season. Yeah, it really is the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> and this is, this is, uh, and it's a current one. Much like uh, uh, many entries, many offerings in this season, we've been able to line up with some current interests in 2022 as it comes to an end. And we have yet another one with the, I think you would call it, an instant Christmas classic, Violent Night. Instant. Just add water. Just this- add water to this John, like, Santa Wick Christmas story. This Christmas movie is the most, putting everything aside, like, the violence and all of the genre parts, it is the most Christmassy Christmas movie I've seen in years. Like, just as a just overall note before we even go, hey, this is a great Christmas movie. Just period. I remember when you when you came out of it, uh, you saw a slightly advanced screening at the American Cinematheque in L.A. And it was like a part of a sort of Beyond Fest affiliation thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember you posting about it after you got out and you were like, this is just straight up one of the best Christmas movies I have seen in years. You're like, you said the same thing. Never mind any of the genre trappings. This is just one of my favorite Christmas movies I've seen in ages. And I'm glad to hear that I said the same thing because that concussion, whoo, could have <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, friend. <laughs> yeah, no, that was you. You very consistently have underscored that, like, it's not just because I am like clearly like a, a the target audience for this as a genre filmmaker. Uh, I am, in fact, as a Christmas aficionado, equally as delighted as I am by the fun extras that make it, you know, a fun, crazy, violent romp at the movies. Yes. So, I I personally loved Sonic. And friends, if you're a fan of Sonic, it has the same co-writers, uh, Josh Miller and Pat Casey. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that's that's where that humor comes These from. These guys make fun movies. These guys yeah, make fun movies. They really do. Yeah. And Sonic's th- fun as hell. I, I love it. And a sequel that's actually a great sequel. Yeah. Holy shit. And then it's directed by Tommy Workola, who did Dead Snow. Did you ever see yep. that? That's- oh yeah, Dead Dead Snow's great, and I think he did he do I don't remember if he did Dead Snow Two, Red Dead, Re- like Dead Snow Two, something something Redemption, Red Dead Redemption. That's a video game. Then he also did um, the Hansel and Gretel movie with that's Gemma right. Archerton. So Tommy Workola's thing is like let's take a let's take something you know, evil Nazis, mm-hmm. Hansel and Gretel. And let's chop it and screw it and make it super genre and make it over the top and make it violent and maximalist. And now he has done that with Christmas and Santa. And there's the tie-in. <laughs> maximalism. Yep. But yes. But really, though, also Violent, uh, violent Night, Dead Snow, 2009. Hey. I mean, yeah. listen, we're going to do whatever we want on this podcast. And that's why we're, <laughs> yeah. we're doing this. But, I, I, you know, I love those little ties to our past. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a movie that aims to be retro feeling. And I, I want to specifically talk about the Home Alone of it all. Ah, okay. Yeah, go for it. Just before, to set the stage for for horror, just a little bit. In 1989, there was a movie called Dial Code Santa Claus. It's a French 
Um, That's right. A French Christmas film, also known as, I think it was released here as Deadly Games originally. Um, And it really is like a little kid defending his house from like an invader Santa. Okay. Who is, I I mean, it's not really, he's there to to do harm. Mm -hmm. And this kid home alone's the shit out of that Santa Claus. (laughs) And it's great. He like even has this little Rambo scene where he like ties his head up and all that, or ties his hair up. And you know, it's, it's cute. Um, also, the song in it, it's like it was translated for English from French. And so mm-hmm. it's just it, it, the the in the chorus, it's like, happy birthday, Christmas, yeah. you know, like and stuff like that, where it's like, what? So highly recommend this soundtrack, which is hanging on my wall. <laughs> um, so that kind of kicked everything off. And then after that, we had Home Alone, which, of course, he's you know, we've got Kevin Callister defending the house, a very, very rich white family defending you know, oh yeah, like where I where I first uh before my before I registered it as a place where Evanston, the suburb of the rich suburb of Chicago, first entered my consciousness and quickly became one of the most idyllic places I could possibly conceive of in all of America. It is I I love I love Home Alone no matter how many times I go back and watch it. It it, it will always be heartwarming to me. But I also love Oh this, god, yeah. this forgotten era uh where we just rooted for rich people. Like the oh, yeah. gossip no. girl years? No, that, the because as we, I believe we've discussed on this podcast where the OC was sort of the peak of wealth will save you mm-hmm. in the 2000s. And then that segues into gossip girl, wealth is the vector. Wealth will destroy you. It will poison you. It will turn you toxic. And, but I love, I love, like one of my favorite rich people movies of all time. Let's root for the rich. Troop Beverly Hills. Like oh, you yeah. grow up and you move to LA and you realize that rooting for the Culver City Red Feathers is like rooting for yourself and rooting for the Troop Beverly Hills is like rooting for your oppressors. But you watch that movie, you're like, fuck those poor kids. Yes. Fuck those poor kids. I'm rooting for the underdogs of Troop Beverly Hills. Yes, absolutely. Also, great dance number. Oh, cookie time? Cookie yeah. time. Come on. TikTok needs to get a hold of cookie time. Where are you at, TikTok kids? needs to get a hold of cookie time. To yeah, you got to watch back. that. So after with the Home Alone piece, just watching this film, it is like Home Alone. Yeah. If the robbers were there to kill and shoot you and all of your help staff and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and your whole family so that they can take the $3 million locked in your basement. Or how much was it? $300 Oh, it's million? like $300 yeah. million. <laughs> yeah. I think that they seem to be... Um, this very rich family that is uh, the matriarch of which is Beverly D'Angelo in an incredible turn as a horrible bitch. Yes. I, they. It seems like there's generational money there from arms dealing. Like something very nefarious, it seems like, along the lines of mercenaries, arms sales, war covert operations like this is dark money this is blood money and beverly d'angelo heads this household and the family comes home for christmas because they must you know come together for the holidays and the bloodsuckers of the family like um the aunt the flighty aunt uh they show up to pay homage to grandma to mom to grandma beverly d'angelo because one day they want to inherit all of her money but our protagonist family uh, a darling little girl named Trudy. Lee? What is it? Trudy. Yes. Trudy played by Leah. Trudy. Brady. And then her Ugh. parents, Linda and, oh gosh, is it Jason? 
yes, Linda and Jason, they, uh, parents are estranged, but they have like come together for Christmas so they can all go to grandma's house together. And not too far into Christmas is it revealed that, yes, the entire help staff has been replaced by mercenaries, by, these are a terrorist band led by John Leguizamo, and they are there to rob Beverly D'Angelo. And here's where Santa comes in. Yeah. At the now, same time, Santa. When we meet Santa, friends, mm -hmm. I it's very it's a very charming scene where he's at a bar getting shit faced, mm -hmm. and um, and I I think it like him throwing up out of the sled down onto uh the bartender who runs yeah. up to the roof to tell him not to be there. It's like that, and then title card. So it's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Santa urinating over the side of a sled. Oh, that's what it is, urinating. As we, well, he vomits first, and then we know that the movie is Violent Night, and then we get a whole kind of montage of him flying through the air completely inebriated at one point, peeing off the side of the sleigh into what is probably the reflecting pool at the Washington Monument. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the little... Mm, so we get it Washington. all. We get a real snapshot of this beleaguered Santa who's been doing the job for just way too long. And something that's special about him that's revealed later on in the movie is that he is a, uh, a a Viking who has been married to his wife, Mrs. Claus, for like 1,000 years or like 1,100 years. Yeah, it's years. like 11 or 1,300 years. Yeah. Um, what a cute marriage. Now that, yeah. and what he, an advertisement. Yeah, and this guy was like the fucking, like we get in just an unexplained but like mentioned backstory that basically this guy was the Northman. This guy was Alexander yeah. Skarsgård cutting a bloody swath through the landscape, um, Nordic warrior. And then through reasons we don't, we are not meant to understand, he takes the mantle of Santa Claus at a certain point. Fast forward to the present day, and he's yeah. dropping off presents at this place at the same time the money terrorists are taken over. And it seems to have been going well for Santa for like a number of years, but it's like recently he's just like kind of had it. Yeah. And I, which of course I get it. Yeah. That's a long time to be doing that. I job. sympathize with that. And those kids seem shitty. Like and most yes, of them have to be, right? Yeah, because like you know, uh, certainly because this is a Christmas movie, <laughs> a strong uh, undercurrent throughout a theme throughout it is that like he is so disillusioned with Christmas because. So kids have to compete with so much to maintain their Christmas magic because, mm -hmm. you know, technology and, you know, the economy, all the things that, that detach us from our sense of wonder. And the kids just don't have that Christmas spirit anymore. And they want obnoxious, shitty gifts and they don't leave good homemade cookies anymore for him. So he's just like, fuck it, man. Like, see, it's like, do I even believe in Christmas anymore? He's having a crisis of Christmas faith. Which Leaves us at Trudy, who is not having that crisis. No. Yet. She believes the fires in Santa. are burning in Trudy. She is stoked. Um, despite her parents not getting along, they're all driving to this uh, to the family trip together. And Trudy is referencing Home Alone, which is cute mm -hmm. because it comes back later. Um, and she is going to meet Santa in a pretty unexpected way. Because, mm -hmm. like, kind of to offload what's happening and all the drama. Um, what, what happens? Why does he give her the, the walkie-talkie? Jason, her dad gives Trudy a walkie-talkie yeah, to talk to Santa. Yeah, because Trudy, Trudy, because Jason is, um, Jason is far too concerned with, like, the matters of his family business. He failed 
to take Trudy to see Santa this year. That's right. And since the parents are separated, the mom didn't realize that he had failed in this task. So he runs down to his old toy closet really quick and finds his old walkie talkies and he brings her one and he's like, I know you didn't go to see Santa, but this walkie talkie is actually a direct line to him. And he probably can't answer you because he's really busy. But as long as you speak into this, Santa will hear you and you will be talking to him. So you know how like in modern Netflix movies and pretty much any Christmas movie that comes out straight to streaming now, there's always like an eight-year-old, an eight to 11-year-old girl. And she always has all the two in the movie. Yeah, and she's like she's she's a grown up. She's, she's just a short grown up. She's the only kid there. It's always <laughs> yeah. it. And and God, she's it feels like she's played by the same actress, but she never is. <laughs> yeah. That is Trudy is the antidote to that character, whom I've grown very sick of. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Chloe Moretz did the precocious little sister character in Five Hundred Days of Summer very well. And then everyone was like, what if we just always have that little kid Chloe Grace Moretz version of a little sister in everything? And and let's make sure it never works. Yeah. Let's make sure it always takes up a lot of real estate. Let's make sure that the jokes are always question marks at the end. Yeah. I, and like with Trudy, I felt I fell in love with her immediately, which is wonderful because she is on an island full of the worst people yes. you will ever meet. Which is why I love the Home Alone piece, which is like, we're, it's 2022. We aren't rooting for those rich people anymore. Not really. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Like, you're you're ready for, to me, you're ready for everyone excluding her mom, Linda, played by the actress Alexis Louder. I'm prepared for everybody in that house to be killed, including her dad, Jason, who, that guy fucking sucks. Yeah, Jason's like, finally, like, not, or finally sort of standing up to his mom this Christmas. Like instead of like when they all go to greet Gertrude, Gertrude, which I love because it's a setup for one of my favorite jokes. But Gertrude. when they all go to greet Gertrude, he doesn't. And I guess that's what they do every year. So he's like, no, we can wait over here by the couch, like him, Trudy and Linda. And so it's like, but it's a big thing that they did that, which is funny because like later they name the name of the kid of the other family is Bertrude because <laughs> yeah. they had a they had a boy and they wanted to name him after her. Because clearly, like, Trudy, Ger Trudy's full name is presumably Gertrude, but she goes by Trudy, so she does have her grandmother's name. So in order to, in order to be properly, like, bending over backwards for, for matriarch Gertrude, yes, Edie Patterson of the show Righteous Gemstones plays Alva Lightstone. She plays oh my God, she's so the, good. The climbing daughter. And thank God this movie recognized that Cam Gigande should pop up any old place because Cam Gigande plays her her action movie star but kind of washed not star husband Morgan Steele. And them Loved and Bertrude only exist to try and get at that inheritance. And yep. Beverly D'Angelo's Gertrude is a scary bitch from the moment we meet her and it is incredible. What's the line? Don't shit my mouth and call it chocolate? Yes. <laughs> or something or say it's chocolate. She goes through this whole, like, that, she says equivalence to that. We see a one-sided conversation on the phone as Gertrude is marching back and forth across the house as her family is waiting to prostrate themselves before her. We just see her coming in out of the room, having a conversation with somebody where she's saying horrible, crude, obscene things to. And then at the end of the conversation, she's like, Merry Christmas, Senator. So, like, this is a woman <laughs> who, who castrates senators for fun. And which... 
is the only moment there there are only two things about this movie i don't like there are only two and th- this is a movie full of things so that's a lot <laughs> yeah. right the first one is that that beverly d'angelo calls the senator a cocksucker i just hate that slur i hate that it's acceptable but listen sh- if we're gonna use it anywhere she's not the hero of this story no she, she is not sucks. and it's okay for a shitty person to say shitty things so i get that that's that mm. works but something i learned at the q a for this afterwards is is that this is a great fun fact everything that she said was improv which i love that That she is unbelievable that was beverly d'angelo's own comedy which makes her fucking great she is hilarious a little bit after the fact and how like you that had to be like beverly d'angelo reenacting any call she's ever had with a pervy shitty producer in her career like that was her being every harvey weinstein she has Mm -hmm. ever had to deal with on the phone absolutely fuck those people and Mm -hmm. and the delivery it's like she knows intimately how this should go (laughs) yeah so and and also there's something really fun about seeing um christmas vacation mom on the phone (laughs) uh telling somebody off in the filthiest way so I'm immediately when she's introduced, I'm like, oh, this is a character for us. <laughs> like, yeah. here's here's the here's the mom for gay people. I mean, not that Alexis Ladder wasn't. It is the kind of cameo that you think Kristen Cloak is going to be in Black Black <laughs> Xmas. Yes. But in fact, she's just gorgeous Kristen Cloak, dramatically unveiled as a cast member. Like, that's the kind of pedigree you expect. Kristen Cloak to have in, in Black Xmas, but does not. The, they bring Beverly D'Angelo in and give her, like, the the worst, best, most horrible fun lines that she apparently improved many of because, like, this is your Christmas vacation, Mom. I think that each of the intros for, like, each of the family members is done so well because each one yes. is an individual character and in a in a way that feels like I know that family in the first two and a half minutes. It doesn't take me the whole movie to do it, which is great because we're about to meet 19 more people. (laughs) (laughs) And we, the, it, it, it tells you to me, it was everything I needed to know when Edie Patterson as Alva is just like drunk and inappropriate. And she's got her, her sexy man with her Cam Gigande. And she just looks at him and says, make out with me in front of my son. And they just start going at each other on that couch in front yeah. of her son, Bertrude, her shitty teen son, Bertrude. <laughs> and it's Amazing. like, yeah, this is his and your entire life. And I understand that now. Yeah. And I know it's probably not intentional, but it does remind me a lot of TikToker drama. <laughs> <laughs> so like, now, does TikToker drama work like YouTuber drama or is it different? I mean, I think it's most comparable to Ott's era, like tabloid drama. Oh, where it's like you learn all the families like, you know, Addison Ray, but then you learn about her mom and then her mom who's like making out with some other TikToker and not the dad and like all this stuff. I mean, it's like a whole thing. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. No. And I OK, this is I'm going to date myself, which is obviously what we do literally every time we record a podcast. Here. Yeah, that's the point. Um, but like I I didn't fully understand it until talking to our friend Noah, you know, and, and he yes, kind of yes. like broke it down for me and I was like. Oh my gosh, like the way that you can follow TikTok or drama like on TikTok is very similar to what we got in print, which is wild that we ever even got those stories in print. <laughs> I mean, the speed at which it had to move 
at the time when we were, you know, waiting on those magazine impulse buy, uh, those Us Weeklies at the checkout counter, and then the blogs arrived. But even yeah. as we know, like the blogs, the, the speed that the blogs moved in comparison to how social media moves, we might as well have been just on landlines, man. Right. Yeah, totally. We it's might as bit- well have been just, we might as well have been on just Sanskrit on yeah. papyrus reeds. And listen, I will say, the second I know about any TikToker drama, it means it happened forever ago. By the time it right. reaches me, girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Which I'm, is great, I'm a year Because then you out. can just get the whole story all at once. That's true. I can just binge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, our, so our, our, our film here, I think what, what I like so much about this movie is, and, and so much of what we talk about when we talk about the aughts is irony and acerbicness and cruelty. And the core of this movie is Trudy. And Trudy is sincere and she is good and she is sweet. And even David Harbour, like his character is sardonic and he is dry, but it's because he's grown jaded. And the reason he has grown jaded is because he cares so deeply about the magic of Christmas that it just like breaks his heart and wears him down. That it has faded so much. If he was indifferent, it wouldn't matter to him. But this is his life. This is became his calling. It means everything to him. And so this movie is about a little girl giving Santa back his reason for being Santa. And so you have, like, all the the very, like, Chad Stahelski-style 8711. This movie was uh, comes from the production company 87 North, which springs off of the stunt collective 8711, which also has brought you this year the movie Bullet Train, previous movies like uh, the Mary Elizabeth Winstead movie Kate and also Nobody. So these movies from these guys are going to be about how do we package action violence in really fun and exciting and engaging ways. That is true. That is all going on. The violence in this movie is great. But as Sam said, and as I uh, had the same experience when I watched it, I also cried multiple times watching I this movie. I did too. I cried. I I mean, the relationship between Trudy and Hot Santa is just like, it's <laughs> heartbreaking. But yeah, if you guys, uh, listen, I'm not saying that he's like Hot Santa from Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like that guy, oh my God. Obviously the <laughs> hottest man to ever be on a screen. But like- in this movie, Santa is like Daddy Santa. Yeah, I mean he's he is he is David Harbor. So anybody out there who's been thirsting for Sheriff Hopper from Stranger Things, here he is. Which here is you know is a lot Santa of us with every bit the massive hulking David Harbor form that he is. Like he is he is Daddy Santa. And I want to add though, it's not like what they did with Tim Allen. You know what I mean? It's not like you put him no. in there and he's unrecognizable. No, he's Guys, just a big fucking guy. It's David Harbour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which and is part he, of the term. When he puts that hair back in oh that God. half in that Stop half it. pony to go wreck some henchmen. It's over. It is so handsome. It that is the, half updo the sexiest is move. so hot on him. I uh I hope I'm not citing this wrong, but I believe the tying the hair back thing was also David Harbour's idea from what it, what they, yeah, which is just like, great. Love it. I mean, it's practical. And and that's the, so when Santa does arrive here, mm. um, it's like mid heist. So like, yeah, these guys break in. It's led by a guy codenamed Scrooge, which is John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect casting for this. Yeah. 
um, and they're holding everybody hostage, but they have shot all of the help immediately. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, if you watch are- watch the help die immediately. Anybody below the line, dead. <laughs> like, yeah. if you're, if you're, an, uh, I, I mean, it, so already you're like, oh, so these people are out. We're not, we're not even- We've got to narrow down who we're rooting for. And it's Slim Pickens, I, <laughs> yeah. which I it's love. It's Trudy and Santa and I guess pick someone else if you want. Yeah. And it's Linda till she makes a bad decision. But <laughs> so I I have to I'm sorry. I'm just on the Wikipedia yeah, page right now. And I just have to cite that David Harbour's credit on the Wikipedia page of this movie is David Harbour as Santa Claus slash Nicomund the Red a legendary Christmas gift bringer and former Viking warrior. So either I forgot or didn't register at some point that he named himself as formerly Nicomund the Red, which I is just that, a lot. Wow. Yeah. Also, on that note, I mean, they, somebody had asked at the Q&A, like, it, what had been deleted from the film, like, if anything had to go. And they said there was a lot of Santa backstory. So all the question marks that we have, I guess they had shot a bunch of stuff that answers that. And I'm going to be real. I'm glad it's not there. I didn't need it. I don't need it. I I'm sure I would have had fun hearing about it just because that that sort of stuff would have been like it it wasn't essential. And this movie is like eighty five minutes long or something. It hums. It doesn't need to be any longer. Like the point of it is to get in, do cool shit, and get out. Friend, I think it just feels short. I think it's like an hour forty five. It might be an hour fifty. Eighty hundred. Oh my god, you're right. It's one hundred and twelve minutes. Look Isn't that, that fucking crazy? Look at that. This that movie, underscores my point, despite yeah. my being incorrect. This movie goes that fast. Like, it feels, because it's it feels so tight that it yeah. just zips. And I love that. So, we'll save it for the sequel. I'm sure we'll hear all about it. I'm saying. I'm saying. Because I, I, this is, because we get, like, we get a rich relationship that we build with Santa over because like we meet him as a kind of a lovable heel he's a very Billy Bob Thornton bad Santa kind of figure but like you're immediately charmed with him because David Harper is so good at that lovable lovable like schlub bit that he does and then over the course of this like as he forms this walkie-talkie based relationship because he comes into possession of the other walkie-talkie so she really does have her direct line to Santa over the course of this this relationship throughout the movie like Trudy's faith in Christmas is it was never waning it is but it is fully reaffirmed and it enlivens his and also like gets him in touch with his Viking warrior past so not only is he getting like more spirited and more kind-hearted as the movie goes he's also getting more violent and fucking mean so we get the best of both yeah it's like all the all the we that turn like when he puts his hair up that's when he becomes like oh this is who you are at your core yeah. and Trudy wakes that up which I think is so fucking cool I don't know yeah. I you know me I I don't love all action films the way I I know that you love action films yeah and I but this movie didn't even feel like that to me even though I know that it is it is mm-hmm. loaded with action oh yeah but there's something about the execution of this film that was just like it um I guess it's this emotional core this emotional hook mm-hmm. that is Santa um, I, I just found myself constantly connecting with it, despite all of these other like peripheral char- characters being like larger than life, you know, and just almost cartoons of themselves. Yeah, like everybody, like every every person has, every one of the henchmen has, you know, 
a code name that is Santa themed, like that is holiday themed. So, like Commander Gingerbread Commander and Candy Thorpe Cane, exception. But like, there's there's a Krampus here, guys. We have a Krampus who is a a mercenary, and at a certain point, like we have our, our they have to start sort of questioning and deciding for themselves is this guy really fucking Santa? Like at first they think they just have some rogue agent in the house with them, but it turns out like this guy's just fucking Santa Claus and watching them watching like candy cane and gingerbread and frosty, the hitmen have to wrestle with their own belief in the holiday and their own like history as children with the Christmas spirit. And those moments where their belief is kind of overwhelming them in the moment. It is such a fun piece of texture to add to like the madcap violence that comes in because it's nice to I think it, I like it it's nice to think about adults being so taken by the possibility that it was real and true all along that they like suddenly want to give over to that sense of being awestruck by the miracle of Christmas again like that's what a fucking Christmas movie is about I love that because it totally is I didn't even think about that but it is that those are the Very basic sweet. ingredients exactly. and it's like Watching um, when Santa's first discovered, he fights his way out of a situation that is um, a lot of fun to watch. But as he, you know, he gets he gets a walkie talkie because of this, these walkie talkie conversations with Trudy, who is like he's trying to help. It's like that's where we get to reveal like that's where he reveals everything about who he is, what he's feeling, mm-hmm. his relationship to Mrs. Claus. Like it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like a lot. And yeah. um, and I, I I loved it. I, I think that that piece is uh I don't know. Santa is a hero in a way that I've never <laughs> seen Santa be a hero. Because, like, listen, when we're watching these made-for-TV movies, it's like, just don't wish too loud around to Santa Claus and you'll be fine. Because yeah. when it, it, he's always this, like, accessory to whatever the story it's is. 100% and it's 100 like, true. He's a wish granter and that's it. This movie, he's a punisher. He is a defender. He yeah. wants to stand up for what's right. And I love that. I don't know. He's, like, the hero I've been wanting in a christmas movie well and he like he i like that over the course of the movie he starts out being really shitty at fighting like he's just big so he can overwhelm people but he's getting his ass kicked yeah he's winning these fights but he's getting beat to shit like at a certain point he's on the walkie-talkie with trudy while he's like bandaging himself up and drinking whiskey in another room because he is just getting rocked but then, like, once he sort of allows himself to once again access his past as a preeminent Viking badass warrior, I like that we kick over into a gear where it's, like, even, like, Santa has lost touch with the spirit of Christmas, but also Santa Claus, Nicomund the Red, has lost touch with himself. And so him coming back into himself is what allows him to be his best Santa Claus, which is also what allows him to be his best fucking bodyguard and that like for him this night because initially he's like trying to leave he's like shit I gotta get out of here and then the reindeer abandoned him because it's getting too hot there and but then what he sticks around for is specifically Trudy like it's not this sense of like like this broad brush sense of like oh well it's the right thing to do and I'm Santa he's like you're gonna be okay kid you're gonna be okay kid I'm gonna take care of you because he come hell or high water is not letting anybody hurt that fucking child and because she is the one person in the house who deserves his not only benevolence, but his violent skill set in order to keep her alive. Everybody else can fucking die, but like protect yes. Trudy at all costs. And that is what Violent Night is about. 
is about David Harbour being awesome and protecting this little girl at all costs. I I couldn't agree more, friend. And it does something with Trudy that I love, um, that we've seen it in Better Watch Out, uh, but where mm-hmm. the where the Home Alone traps turn out to be as deadly as they should be in real yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, they have Home Alone the actual is, yes. effect that those traps would have. Because Home Alone is truly about a kid, Kevin McAllister, who attempts to murder two people who break into his home. And I mean, the, and murder over and over and over, over again. and Homicide over and over again. over and over and over again. Kevin McAllister, the killer. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's Trudy, like that. It's like that Wizard of Oz review that's like transported to a surreal <laughs> landscape. A young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with the three strangers to kill again. That yes. like capsule review of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that's actually fucking home alone. That is. And so it's. I love seeing uh, the the plant and payoff of the Home Alone and Trudy stuff where she sets up some traps. They're pretty fucking awful. She's hiding out in the in the attic and that's where they come for her. Yeah. Um, but while she's up in the attic, before we move on from that, there, when you're talking about the, the adults giving over to believing in Christmas, it's kind of cool that there's that moment where Santa's like trapped and he's telling them the things that they wanted as a kid off their wish yeah. list, like the bad guys, so that they can... He can prove that he's Santa. But mm-hmm. the thing that wins them over is Trudy putting fake snow through the air vents <laughs> yeah. and You're making like, it Oh my snow. God, did he make it fucking snow inside? Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what, like the thing <laughs> that did it isn't even real, which I love. Yeah, it's not even like the bag that's clearly empty, but is also filled with infinite presence whenever you put your hand inside. <laughs> it's it's the snow coming through the ducks and watching them all be watching the two henchmen in there just be so enchanted by the snow. And also, I love a moment where you learn, and I've talked about this on another pod. I, I love the moment when you learn a, a bad scare like a scary awesome guys aliases like that part in john wick where they're talking through like baba yaga like they're they're naming all the ways all the names that he's been known by and like driven fear into the hearts of men and so then you have david harbour tied up in lights on a chair in a den just by firelight and he's like explaining to them who he is and then he just starts like listing off all the international names he's been known by he says yes. like you know popo gigio saint nicolas like just listing all of them in like an ominous voice with his head kind of turned down i'm like yeah this is this is like the fucking climax of the movie for me yes tell them tell them all the names that they should be afraid of you drive that fear to their hearts i there's a there's a moment that I particularly love. And it's when uh, Cam, I don't remember his character's name, but it's like Morgan the Hollywood. Morgan Steele. <laughs> Morgan Steele, thank Morgan you. Morgan Steele, a perfect Cam Gigande role. So the hostages are, uh, the the guys holding them hostage mm. just to have a good time are like yeah. forcing them to open presents at gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love Cam volunteers himself to go first because he has a really good gift for Gertrude. Yeah. And it is a pitch deck. And, it is uh, so, it was so, man, having watched multiple movies lately that really hit on the head perfectly the nature of certain things in the industry. Yes. That's absolutely remarkable. Because they don't go ahead and explain, if you are, if you are not in the industry, a pitch deck <laughs> is like, you put together your idea to pitch to a network or a studio and it's like, here are the characters, here's mm-hmm. the story. And, and it's like, you know, it, it's like. <laughs> here's the tone. Here's my inspirations. Yes. It is. And and getting somebody to look at your pitch deck is never a gift to anyone. No. And so for him to be like, it's my pitch deck, please invest in me, is like the best detail. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, this character, 
I'm totally satisfied when he runs out of the mansion to get help. Yeah. And gets shot to death. It is. He is. <laughs> he's like, my gift is the op, your opportunity yeah. oh, God. Yes. to invest in my movie. And it was like, you know what, though? Morgan Steele, this has worked for men in the past. This has worked yeah. for mediocre men in the past to be like, they wouldn't now keep is doing your it. chance. Like, this is probably Max Landis in every fucking pitch he's ever done. That oh my God. terrible monster. Being like, this moment is your moment of truth. This moment is your opportunity to bet on a winning horse. And aren't you so glad I've given you this chance? That is Morgan Steele. And Morgan Steele, as far as I'm concerned, real person. Real person. Oh, yeah. I, everybody's overheard a conversation that somebody's been trapped in with Morgan Steele at a coffee shop. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he's, you're working away at your laptop and two desks o- or two chairs over. It's like, oh, this other person doesn't want to be here <laughs> while this guy pitches her. Like, it's like, you didn't know. Like, like, a, like it's like Amway. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like a, it is a pyramid scheme. It's the Los Angeles pyramid scheme. But and it, I also not, like, like, I respect the hustle, but Cam. Cam Gigande is so I this guy, this guy has Never so much down. fucking staying power. And I appreciate that like him taking a role like Morgan Steele is essentially him acknowledge like him participating in sending up himself a little bit. Yeah. Like he's not he's he looks like he did when he was fucking twenty years old. He's That's not crazy. twenty years old anymore. The kind of the kind of figure that he is associated, I think, with being an, a little bit is probably a Morgan Steele type. Yeah. Like he's like, uh, you know, a guy from from the movie. Uh, what was it? Never Back Down. Oh, a movie I saw multiple times in theaters. Never Back Down is so freaking gay and it's so hot. That is the gayest movie. I love it. I'm like, yeah, Cam Gigande in, in 2022. Other movies that Cam Gigande has been in Nine Bullets, Blowback and Black Warrant. Like, he has made a career for himself in DTV action, which is Mm. a favorite subgenre of mine. So to me, that is an honorific. But the fact that to many people, it is not. And for a Cam Gigande to be willing to take a role that effectively makes fun of a kind of star profile that he has and really lean into it and make such a meal out of it, I think that speaks super well of Cam Gigande as a, especially with, like, the image of him is like hot carved like asshole he's always that kind of guy with an edge who you're not supposed to root for and for him to just dive into a role like this to satirize that i think that speaks really well of him as as an actor yeah he's fantastic i and and what he brings to this is perfect and you know what bombi gets shot but uh i love the i love the time we spent with him so absolutely and- hilarious that he's the only one from that family that gets shot the only one oh my god Gertrude makes it out. Fucking Alva makes it out. Jason, that is the honestly, shocking part. Jason should have died. Guys, I got I to gotta say, that's the, my qualm with this movie is that Trudy's dad lives. Yeah. So when during the, the present opening thing, um, Gertrude opens a present from Jason. Yeah. And who's, she, like the fa- who's the favorite child? He's definitely the one on the inside track. To getting that inheritance. And like when she reads the letter, it's like she doesn't say what it says mm-hmm. and she keeps it between them. And that's because he admits that he was stealing the money and never coming back. And so, also, and yeah, and he's like, and like, I, who you, you have groomed me. I'm your second in command. I'm probably the only child of the two of us that you believe in at all. I'm quitting. I'm running. I'm leaving. I'm taking this with me and you're never going to see me again. 
And while she's reading that, she is just like licking her chops. And he, he's not sitting there with his chin up or his chest out. He's like shrinking in his chair, looking like a little fucking child. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, were you going to do this plan or not? Or were you going to back out at the last possible second? Because you're actually a total bitch, Jason. I love, this may be really side with Gertrude. Because you don't know at that yes! moment in the movie what's going on. But you know she's doing something big here. Yeah. And when it's revealed what it is, it's like, wow, for a woman who is, you would assume she was petty because of the way that she speaks to people. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that she still also, deep down somewhere, has a heart. Right. I mean, like that. As we learn at the very end of the movie. (laughs) Or at least for people who earn it, I think. Well, and I think, too, that like what I I will always like as a sort of ethos, I will always prefer the presence of a Gertrude to the presence of a Jason, because with a Gertrude, you know exactly who the fuck you're dealing with. That's true. And they're not trying to sugarcoat or or obfuscate the exact nature of who they are. It's the Jasons. It's those mealy mouth bastards who run errands for people like Gertrude and cape like they're good people when in fact they're just as much of a craven asshole, but they don't have the courage to admit it. Those shifty assholes, you got to be watching out for them because they will take from you with one hand and then be acting like they're doing you favors with another. Jason's a piece of shit. Spineless, got no respect from him. At least with Gertrude, she'd probably be like, yeah, I'm a fucking warlord. Do you have a problem with that? You can leave. Whereas Jason's like, it's not me. I'm a good person. And my answer to not being, my answer to being in in this imbroglio of my mom and her life and probably war crimes, I'm going to steal her money. As his wife rightly reacts when she realizes master plan, she's like, so your answer was to steal the money? Like your answer to make, to changing your life and getting on a good track to being a good husband and father in person was to steal blood money. Also $300 million. You can start over on a lot less than that, but (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like you had to take the whole thing. That's why it's so hard for me to, this is, so I said there were two things I didn't like. This is a hard pill for me to swallow that Linda, who Mm -hmm. is shocked, rightfully so, is like, you did what? Because they're already like split up, right? And she does not want to have anything to do with him. And so then she finds out this detail and I'm thinking, okay, good. That's the nail in the coffin for Jason. It's over. And for some reason it's not like, it's like, it's treated as the movie keeps going is like, yeah, but he was trying to do something for his family and to get them together. And it's like, I know uh-huh. that Trudy wished her one Christmas wish or whatever was for her parents to get back together, which mm-hmm. fine. I get it. You're a kid. You're a kid. I don't Linda, understand. You're not a kid. Linda, call your therapist. Yeah. See if this is the right decision for you, because something yeah. would tell me that your therapist would ask you to set healthier boundaries. You have been right, Linda, since the beginning of this movie. You've been exactly right. Don't recant now. Like, not a, and like, I, it, I like that this movie, it, it, it pushes Linda forward in moments where there are opportunities to like mama bear up and defend herself and defend it her does. child. It has, it managed, and like that is the Linda right thing to back. do. But what it has the result of is that it is cool and we love that for Linda, but it has the effect of it never gives Jason a moment to actually be the hero. So because Linda is so self-sufficient, because Linda steps up when the time comes, Jason, like, because we get the, like, sisters doing it for themselves moment, we don't actually get the guy fully justifying his redemption arc. And instead, he just, like, 
falls behind a bale of hay in a gunfight while Linda's handling her shit and then he shows up at the last second and they embrace? Yeah. And it's like, no, Jason just bitched out and didn't do anything. Jason's not going to do anything for the rest of this. But what the fuck is going on here? Because it's like watching him. It's like, well, which and I was even trying to rack my brain like while I was watching it. And like, did I miss an action? Did I miss something that he did that proved himself? And I don't think he does anything anywhere. I don't right? think he does. A, no, There's no he moment like, where he shows that he's changed. He even gets close. And then like he does something stupid and takes himself out of the fight or he fully just like disappears or runs like he he either opts out or idiots his way out of any moment where he could triumph. And again, I love that the movie wants to give us Linda kicking ass. That is so right. But they in lieu of giving Jason even one where he really comes through and cold cocks a guy or lands that finishing blow or keeps his wife from being hurt or something. He just continues to be the failed husband that he was at the beginning of the movie. He's exactly that at the end. And you're like, Linda, no. Linda, and honestly, the Linda that we come to know over this movie, she would never take him back. I don't actually believe the character that they gave us would take him back. I think that is actually a betrayal of the character. I feel the same way. I don't think the Linda we have come to know throughout the movie would have done that. That's why I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I didn't realize until towards the end, I was like, oh, the movie wants us to feel this way about him that we don't. Like, because yeah. I don't think anybody I saw it with was like, oh, yeah, Jason, what a great guy. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And it's like the movie doesn't even commit to make the movie doesn't even commit to believing in that. No. It's just at the end of the movie. It's like, and we're together again. Yes. And it, it's like, hey, Linda movie, kills. You didn't even root for this guy this entire movie, actually. Yeah. Like Linda and, and Linda, obviously, tends across the board every fucking scene. And when she kills, she like takes out the final bad guy before the before the big bad. Yeah. And it's like, that's their that's her big moment. When they when the parents kiss, it's like, huh, what? Yeah, it's like I mean, oh, wait, it really is, is this like the, is oh, this shit. the worst part of the movie? Like, is wait this a the actual Hold on. are these the highest stakes of the movie? What I'm seeing right now, these two parents kissing each other. I would have loved to see is. a moment where Linda's like, Hey, I respect you. Thanks for fighting with me. We're gonna be great co parents. I'm yep, moving yep. on. Yep. We are going to live like, near each other. We are going to take care yep. of this child. We are going to love her so much. We are going to have a respectful and because, like, you did, like, you did in your fucked up way that you were totally raised to believe was the right thing to do. You did attempt to make an overture to get on the right track, and that tells me that there is room for you to improve as a person. Where I was previously doubting you, but what yeah. it also tells me is we are never, ever, as Taylor would say, getting back, getting back together. together. Never no. ever. Uh, I, I would love an alt timeline where after this movie's done, Trudy, like not Trudy, uh, Linda kind of comes to her senses. She's like, wow, I'm so sorry. I just really got swept up in the moment with that kiss. Yes. This is not a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I would really like to continue to be friends. And I, I want her to like, just I, say I'm it. I'm confused being glad you're not dead. Yeah. With wanting to be with you again. And I now know 72 hours later, those two emotions are not the same thing. Yeah, it's, you know, it took her a minute. She had to go get her morning Starbucks, like kind of get back to normal, reset a little bit. She's like taking a nice bath with those new Ashley Tisdale bath bombs you can get at Target. (laughs) Guys, they smell so good. I'm telling you. Wait, Tiz. Yeah, the Tiz just out there doing the most, always. (laughs) Um, CEO of a bath bomb company now. Uh, That is the legacy the aughts love to know. Listen, that's what I want to see from, you know, the high school musical besties. 
yep. uh, forever and always. <laughs> At, the, the Tiz still always releasing stuff with um, Vanessa Hudgens. I love it. Just like I love that. showing up in like videos and photos and you're like, oh, those two are together forever. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what I want. And you know, you know, Vanessa Hudgens is out there watching Princess Switch 3 in her <laughs> Ashley Tisdale bath bomb this Christmas. She's doing the whole thing. She might be. So anyways, I just want Linda to wake up and come to her tis senses. I, cause like even, even at the very end and like, it's totally self-serving, but like even Beverly D'Angelo shows up and shoots a guy. Like she shows up and, and shoot. Cause like, she's like, guess what? Fuckers. You're all going to die anyway to the, to the, to the terrorists. Because she's like, I have a personal security detail of like, navy seals and all i have to do is ring the big phone and they're gonna show up here and they're gonna extract me and they're gonna kill all of you well a great twist in the movie turns out that evac squad shows up and they are all on the take they hate gertrude Mm -hmm. and scrooge john leguizamo has paid them all off so that means there's just like a couple dozen more bad guys for santa to kill like we run out of bad guys because santa kills them all well guess what here's a whole new squad so, like, Beverly thinks she's going to be saved, but there's the, the commander of that group. He is, of course, like, the one whose ass you have to beat, Commander Thorpe, because he's the leader. He's the squad leader. And he's, like, about He's to the one that fucking... shoots Cam, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who just unloads. He's like, what happened Gandhi. in there? And Cam tells him everything that's going on, and then he just kills him. And then he, and they're like, they're like, get they They have loaded out the money from the house. They are about to get away with all of this. And then like, they end up by an old house on the property. There are snow machines. It's a showdown. And Commander Thorpe is about to like shoot Santa, I think. And like Beverly D'Angelo shows up out of nowhere and shoots him in like the fucking head. So even Beverly D'Angelo shows up and kills a bad guy. Jason doesn't even like kill a bad guy he ends up in a gunfight that i don't even think he even kills somebody like he is not doing anything to protect this house so you're kind of surprised gertrude is still alive at the end because she's the warmongering fucking blood diamond wearing nightmare woman but even she showed up when the time was necessary and like delivered some justice and jason's just being fucking useless setting money on fire to try and bring santa back to life what that's what was i was that? gonna i was gonna bring up but i because this is that is the moment the script, the movie wants us to believe in Jason. But before I exactly. do, exactly that is the, supposed to be the moment. Well, the problem is that moment comes after the kiss. So, but before you that the the best kill that happens in the whole fucking movie is when when John Leguizamo goes up the chimney with Santa Claus because they set it up this thing where Santa's amazing. I you got to see it to believe it. It's like he puts his finger on his nose and goes up the chimney, right? And it's a thing that stops working while he's in the house. So it becomes like kind of a thing. And yeah, by the because time he's it- like, it's like when he's like, because before he's got his Christmas magic back, it's kind of starting to falter a little bit. Like his Santa powers are kind of coming and going. Yes. So when he goes, he finally puts his finger on his nose at this moment when it's like, oh, he's going to die. He's yeah. like, he, they are not going to make it out. And he, and he goes up through the chimney, like basically like uh, Halloween ending, uh, John Leguizamo. He, cause like they're on, they're, right through they're, the grinder. Out, they're out on the property and there's like a, it's clearly like there was a house standing there and the house is gone, but there's still a chimney standing. There's still a stone chimney and they're near enough to it to where like John Leguizamo is about to deliver the coup de gras and he puts that little Santa finger on his nose and he's in proximity to the chimney. So his Santa magic kicks in and it evacs him up the chimney because Santa exits through the chimney. Mm-hmm. Well, Santa turns into fucking Santa magic dust and he can do that because he rematerializes outside the chimney. 
but he just pulls John Leguizamo's whole human body, breaking in half, like bending in half the wrong direction, pulls him up through the chimney, pops out the top, and when he does, John Leguizamo's body just explodes like a fucking water balloon filled with blood. It is an explosion of John Leguizamo out of the top of a chimney. Yes. It is incredible. Which is where, after that, that's when Santa's shot by uh, by Thorpe. And then Beverly D'Angelo comes in and gets him. And it's like, what a great moment. But Santa's dying. Yeah. And like they, and for some reason, Jason's like, we got to keep him warm. That'll, yeah. him, that'll bring him back to life. And it's like, one, I don't know why he thinks that. Two, he starts burning money to keep him warm. And I- And he starts burning money about 10 feet away from him. Yeah, it's not anywhere near him. And also, it's not doing a very good job. Like, it's not a big fire or anything. He's not doing it. It's like, and and it doesn't seem to have any effect on the film. So I'm like, none. we just see him burning, like, maybe $10,000, right? It's only to show us that Jason's willing to burn some money. That's literally it. For a stupid plan. Right. It's, it's, it's not like, even a plan that works. It's yeah, like, it's like this is this is literally just showing us that Jason will set money on fire. Santa dies immediately. Yeah. Which, like immediately. By the way, I am so glad that that happens because it's like, I didn't want Jason's stupid plan to work. It's no. like, if Jason's setting money on fire, save Santa, yeah. this would feel different. This movie would, I, I would you have a hard time with that ending. absolutely right. It, that plan could not work. But right now it it's feels just so like, right that Jason's plan didn't work because of course it fucking didn't because he's a moron. Of course it didn't. And of course he half-assed it. Yeah. You know what he's I mean? not even like he didn't even like bring over really a whole duffel bag of money. He's no. just like throwing some loose cash on a piece of wood that is burning. He's not like, all right, we have to make a bot like normally, like I feel like the way that plays out in a movie where it works is suddenly everyone's like good idea and they like take their jackets off and they throw it on the fire so the fabric goes up and it just they make the fire bigger and bigger it's just one guy throwing money on a small burning pile so it really doesn't make up for that kiss we just saw that we were like oh it's like we saw the kiss we saw the money burn and it's like oh you're still you you're still you you know that's that's obviously not what's going to bring him back it is (laughs) Trudy inspiring everybody exactly. to be like, I believe in Santa Claus. I believe. He needs people to believe. And it is. He's like the Mothman. <laughs> Jesus. He's a Santa's a cryptid. <laughs> and so Trudy believes. And like mom and dad are like, I believe. And then it's it's perfect. It gets over to Gertrude. And she's like, shit, I think I believe. And like, she's like yeah. crying, wiping tears away. Trudy, Gertrude fully believes at this point. And like their belief brings him back. Yes. And then, you know, he gets his reindeer back and they can all go back to the North Pole. They bring him his extra, like, sack. Like, the, the reindeer went to the North Pole to get him his new provisions again. And Mrs. Claus sent along, um, like, you know, provisions as well. I think sent along his hammer, right? Like, doesn't he get his hammer back at yes. the end of the movie? I, I think it's like... uh. Yeah, it's his hammer, his Viking hammer. Yeah, his like his like because Nick was as Nickaman the Red. Like basically, he has Santa has two loves of his life, and it's Mrs. Claus and his Viking hammer that he, as he says, he was like, I was like a surgeon with that thing on the battlefield. Which thankfully we get a stand-in for his grand Viking hammer when he just finds a sledgehammer in a barn in a utility shed and goes to work on a bunch of mercenaries. But like, so we know he's he's got to get he's he's can't you can't move midnight. Can't move midnight. Can't move midnight. So he's got to be up there getting those presents done, getting Christmas night done. And we know he's going back to Mrs. Claus in the end. 
I do love that they didn't like Mrs. Claus doesn't make an appearance. And yeah. part of me, because I really, really wanted her to. I really wanted to know who she was. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like in the QA, um, somebody asked who Mrs. Claus would have been, and they they kind of dodged the answer because mm. I think I I think it's because there is definitely gonna be a second movie and she's gonna be in it. But when well, but it is, the it answer is... Oh no, I'm sorry, Sam. Oh, the the one thing that they did say was, well, Santa, you know, travels the world. Could yeah. be anybody. And so it's like something like that. And it's like, oh, I like that answer. That's a real, you know, or Vikings. That's why, because Vikings traveled the world. Well, in so it, it's um, like, the movie has made, the movie's budget is reported at about 20 million. The movie has made about $56 million. It's on its way to 60. Like this movie is, uh, this movie has been a success. It's had a couple weeks theatrical. And it basically, as of our recording today, it was surprise guys, VOD release probably for like are do you have are you family at home at christmas you can now rent it for like the you know premium svod price of like 19.99 or something or just go ahead and oh, that's buy so it. smart yeah to get it so, while it's still the holidays yeah and so they're getting it in front of more people this movie is gonna probably this movie will clear 60 million dollars and in the in the future there is a future section of the wikipedia page but it's wikipedia you know I, i'm not going to the primary sources of these um who does say the actor expressed interest in De- in that harbor in Charlize theron playing the role of mrs claus but like yeah like i as- i i express interest in seeing Charlize theron as well so who knows what that means like i'm always interested in that right. um workala confirmed that there had been ongoing discussions between him and the writers with potential for mrs claus the north pole and the elves factoring into the story uh later that month so probably end of november early december producer kelly mccormick who is the co-head of 87 north with her husband i believe david leach confirmed that all creatives involved intend to make a sequel and work on the project commencing in quote the next few weeks great so violent night is a violent success i i love that I can't wait if, listen, if those guys can give us Sonic and Sonic 2 and Sonic 2 is that good. Honestly. This is the first time I'm like, well, fuck, this sequel is going to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? they know how to do a sequel. It's this in the like, right hands. And it's like with the idea of like, it could be anybody kind of thing. I love the idea of like a violent night, like give me Harbor for as long as he wants to do it. But I also love the idea of like this being like a violent night, almost like anthology franchise. Oh, where wow, just yeah. like santa around the world in different crazy situations like that's what i want i don't want that. jason back here's the thing i don't want it no never i don't want give me I, jason back again. and honestly i don't want to see him and linda have to have another nope. experience together where that will bring them closer nope i, I don't. don't want that for her <laughs> like, i want trudy to go join like intern at the fucking north pole like sure, sure i'll take that yeah. she can be like an elf in training trudy can come along in the next battle yeah exactly She's she's now a, a Viking warrior um, after she's accidentally killed a couple of henchmen with her home alone traps. Definitely. Trudy Definitely killed more dead. people in, in Trudy killed more bad guys than Jason did. Yeah, because well, Trudy took more action than Jason did. Trudy did. Trudy took more action than Jason did than her yeah. own father. Yeah. Trudy, Trudy. Give it all to Trudy. Yeah. <laughs> How much money did she leave with? I was going to say, give Trudy, uh, give Trudy those duffel bags. I would love, so I'm looking forward to the sequel. Yes. I would love to see more of this. Um, just less of him. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. I'm so glad that we have the gift of Violent Night this Christmas. Me too. And that's really cool to hear about the VOD thing. I didn't know that. So it's like now everybody listening, it's like, 
Go watch it. You don't have yeah, an excuse. Go watch yeah. it. Like, if you haven't, you know, clearly you stopped this halfway through if you hadn't watched it yet, so we didn't spoil the entire fucking thing for you. Yeah. Um, but now go watch it on VOD if you made it to the end of this and you still haven't seen it, but you were just having a good time. And friends, if you are feeling generous, which I know you are. That's right. Um, that's right. I am doing my annual holiday music fundraiser again. This year, though, it's our biggest one in five years. It's the first time I'm doing a whole album, not an EP. So mm-hmm. there are 10 original holiday music songs available to anybody who donates any, literally any amount to mm-hmm. my AIDS Life Cycle fundraiser. So just go to my Twitter at Sam Wyman or my Instagram at Sam Wyman. The link is in the bio or it's pinned to the top. You, yeah. I won't shut up about it. It'll be easy to find. Click the link, donate something, and I will send you 10 tracks of original holiday music. You will laugh. You will cry. You will, you will be excited about the gossip. Like yeah. <laughs> there's just there are uh there's a lot in it uh that I think will surprise you. So and and it's for a great cause. The, it's for the, a great cause. Come AIDS on, life cycle, it's the season of giving. Yes. AIDS Life Cycle, uh, they fund the Los Angeles LGBT Center and the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, who provide mm-hmm. life-saving services to the LGBTQ community. Um, they are essential parts of uh of both cities. So help them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And uh as a preview. Uh, we're going to send you out with a song that nobody's heard yet. That's Just right. You. This is, you get access, guys. You get access tonight. You heard it first. Uh, please enjoy Scrooge of Silver Lake. I'll accept you, Ebenezer, because you've got a heart of stone. Count your money, count your credits, count reviews that you think get it. But whatever you do, don't count what's true. I think you might regret it. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, the only day you'll rest. It's Christmas in Los Angeles, a city you invest. Everyone will say they see you, but nobody really knows what you're wearing. Ebenezer are the emperor's new clothes. Count your money, count your credits, count whoever's still on Reddit. Don't try in the end to count your friends, I think you might regret it.